Hello, this is Miss Babin again, and it is now episode four of Time with Miss Babin. Today's podcast is for Louisiana history, and it is entitled Louisiana Territory to Statehood. Claiborne takes charge. Well, I'm sitting out on my patio, so you might hear the birds chirping or the wind chime. So Shelby and I are out here ready to give you this next piece of information regarding Louisiana history. At the end of our last session, we were talking about the fact of how the people of Louisiana were so um, unsure about becoming a part of the United States of America. The change from Spain to France to Louisiana had really happened quickly. It was almost like Louisiana was a bit of a ping pong ball in all of this. But now things are going to need to start to settle down. And we're going to talk about W.C.C. Claiborne, the first governor of Louisiana as a United States territory and then state. The truth is W.C.C. Claiborne was not Thomas Jefferson's first choice to be governor. One of the things Jefferson had wanted was for the governor of Louisiana to speak French. And the truth is, there were not that many people in the United States who were really fluent French speakers. So he was really having to find um, someone very special to do the job who could manage a new territory in the frontier, who would be a supporter of Jefferson, and who could speak French fluently. His first choice had actually been the uh, general, the Marquis General de Lafayette, who uh, had fought with Washington as a very young man in the American Revolution. But Lafayette declined the position. He was back living in France at this time. Uh, Jefferson's second choice was uh, James Monroe, and Monroe just absolutely declined it. He had no interest in going to Louisiana. And he is later going to be president of the United States. So he was not interested in doing this at all. And so that brings Jefferson to his third choice. And W.C.C. Claiborne was, in fact, Jefferson's third choice to be governor of Louisiana. He could not speak a word of French. But he was who Jefferson felt was the best choice at that stage. Uh, Claiborne had been uh, the territorial governor of Mississippi. So he knew the area and he had background, the kind of background that would help him in this setting. Additionally, he had served in Congress and he had actually been a very loyal supporter of President Jefferson when he ran for office and then when when Jefferson became president. So, and Claiborne really believed in the Louisiana Purchase. So, we've got to go forward with him as governor. Now, I said something about uh, Claiborne believing in the Louisiana Purchase. One thing that they talked about in the video was that there were some people who questioned the Louisiana Purchase because the truth of the matter is to make a purchase of land like this in the U.S. Constitution, it requires the support and the and actions of the House of Representatives, because they are the ones who, first of all, handle the money in the country, but they are also the ones who make treaties. 
And Jefferson and Livingston were so worried that Napoleon would change his mind that they knew that if this had to go through Congress, they would have to wait until Congress was in session, and then there would be debates, and it would be months. And Napoleon was just too mercurial in his temperament. So actually, the Louisiana Purchase was not originally made by a treaty. It was actually done through a convention. If you look at the original documents of the Louisiana Purchase, it is a convention, which is just an agreement between Louisiana and France for this sale to happen. It does not have the strength of a treaty. But Jefferson, that was his way of getting it done. And later, a treaty was written and signed by the two countries. Of course, there were some people who were Jefferson's political enemies, and they were just complaining and saying it was such an illegal activity. However, I have never found any historical record of anyone saying, you know, you need to give Louisiana back. There was no way that was going to happen. So now we have Claiborne, who's going into Louisiana to step in and take over. Claiborne really does have some great difficulties when he gets to Louisiana. And, of course, the number one problem is going to actually be the people. The people in Louisiana were extremely nervous about becoming a U.S. territory because the Americans to them were so foreign. They were so different. At the date of the transfer, I read a historical account of an eyewitness who was there, and he said that when you looked at Lasatte and you looked at Claiborne, you saw France and you saw the United States embodied in these two men. Now, Lasatte himself, the French representative, was in fact a pretty young man. He had a young family. But according to this eyewitness, he looked like a Frenchman. He dressed like a Frenchman. He was not a particularly tall person. And he looked like someone from the old world, meaning Europe. Claiborne, on the other hand, was tall. He was a big man. He had blondish hair and fair skin. He was somebody who had been outside and in the outdoors. He looked very vigorous and very healthy. And this man who looked at the two of them said, Looking at the two of them was like looking at the embodiment of France, Lassalt, very courtly, very dre- very well-dressed in a very French and fancy way. And then there was Claiborne, young, vital, moving forward. He said it was just like looking at the two caps, the two countries in the form of human beings. So Claiborne was very different. The United States was very different. It was a young country with different ways of doing things. One of the great concerns of the French, and one reason why the people were so difficult to deal with at first, was the whole issue of language. They were very concerned that they absolutely had someone to whom they could not communicate. Almost all of the Spanish governors had been able to speak French, but Claiborne could not. He had to learn, and he did, but they also had to learn English, and they, the people did. But probably the greatest difficulty was the fact that the people of Louisiana had no understanding of even the principles of a democratic government. Remember, they had lived under a monarchy where they were told what to do. 
where they might have been able to give a little advice, but they didn't make any decisions at all. All of the decisions had been made by those French and Spanish governors. And now they were going to be in a system of government that was a, that too was foreign to them. They were going to expect to contribute. They were going to ex- be expected to have a responsibility in some of these decision-making activities. And so for them, it was very different, and they were very unsettled by it. So they didn't quite know what to do. Now, of course, if you remember from your American history, when new lands are acquired by the United States, they go through a period where they are a territory. And this was one of the first actions of the American government, uh, even before the Constitution was written. It was one of the best things they did, is they, the United States set out how does new land, new territories, become a part of the United States as a full-fledged state. Well, Louisiana came in as a territory, and there were two kinds of territories, unorganized territory and organized territory. And this was under the law of the United States in terms of the steps to become a state. Well, to be an organized territory, one had to have 5,000 males living there. They did not count the women and they did not count the slaves. So it had to be 5,000 males who were citizens, adult males who were citizens. If you were an organized territory, then you could start to form your government. You could have a representative body, such as a Senate or a uh, House of Representatives. You could start to form your court system. If you're an unorganized territory, it means you don't have enough people to do this. And then the governor makes all the decisions. In in American history, for um, a new territory to become a state, it is all based upon population. Well, Louisiana comes in and it's identified as an unorganized territory, which means the people will have no say in the government. They are actually very angry because the people of Louisiana know they have 5,000 males and they feel that they're being treated unfairly by the U.S. government. So there's tension there. The truth is the U.S. government, the Congress, probably felt that they weren't ready to take on the role of a territory, of an organized territory, with all of the responsibilities of elections and forming those um, representative bodies. So they got very, very angry about that. The other thing that happened was that the uh, United States actually separated Louisiana into two parts. What is now our northern boundary becomes the northern boundary of uh, what what is called the Territory of Orleans. Everything in what is now Louisiana, except a little bit of the Florida parishes, which belongs to Great Britain, everything that becomes, that is now Louisiana, is going to be called the Territory of Orleans. Everything north of what becomes Louisiana is called the Louisiana Territory, and that is all opened up for settlement from people moving west. So now Louisiana is starting to take the shape of what it will ultimately become. The other thing that they did 
is they had to start, he had to deal with, um, and Claiborne had to deal with some other difficulties in Louisiana. One of the things he had to start dealing with was tax collection. Yep, the Americans collected taxes, and the French really had it. The Spanish really had it. But the United States collected taxes from the citizens, and they did this because one of the jobs of government is to do things such as build roads, build the levees, keep the peace. And that is what the United States government did uh, within territories and locally, and they funded it by tax money. We still fund it by tax money today. But back in 1803, that was a foreign concept to the French people, and they didn't like it. Uh, Claiborne, as as the territorial governor, he was really the person in charge. So what he did, uh, and Jefferson had a law passed called a Territorial Act in 1804, and there there were courts established. And there was a 13-member council established for um, governing and helping Claiborne with Louisiana. The only Frenchman on it was a man named Julian Poydras, who was a a significant landowner. And Poydras will become very important in the writing of the first Louisiana Constitution. So Claiborne has some troubles with the territorial government and getting things started. The people don't like the, the, um, the fact that it is a different kind of government. They feel like they've not been treated fairly being an unorganized territory. They don't feel really very well represented, and they sure don't like taxes. So Claiborne has that problem. A second problem Claiborne has to deal with is boundaries. The western boundary between Louisiana and what becomes Texas was very, very unclear. The Spanish owned this, and they actually want land that goes um, well past what is the Sabine River. They want to come farther in, much farther in. And this area, the U.S. isn't ready to settle it. So it actually becomes a no man's land between what is Louisiana and Texas. So that area right along the Sabine River, our western boundary. Some people nicknamed it the free state of Sabine. And the problem is, is what happened is that's where all the criminals went because neither Spain nor uh, the United States owned it. And so no one had any control. So people who committed crimes in Texas or people who committed crimes in Louisiana, they'd quickly go to the area along the Sabine and stay there for a while. So it's right around Sabine and where the Calcasieu River is. So you have this area right on your western boundary that's pretty violent. So Claiborne has some real difficulties that he has to deal with in Louisiana and that he has to struggle with. But he comes in and he very calmly and very steadily starts to work through these things. In our next session, we're going to talk about some more difficulties that Claiborne had. And it is going to actually be something called the Burr Conspiracy, which was quite a scandal in Louisiana. And then we're going to talk about the, um, the actual uh, a rebellion that does happen, and it's called the West Florida Rebellion. So I hope you've gotten some good information from this session. Please review it with the notes that you will have available to you through your uh, class page. 
Know that I'm thinking about you as we go through this time together. You are in my thoughts and prayers.